This is your host, Huge Pop, from the Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast, and with me is my partner, Reek Reek, a.k.a. Rico. Tonight, our guest on the Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast is a Japanese-American professional wrestler. He currently wrestles in an independent circuit. He is a booker for an independent promotion in Florida called Thunder Championship Wrestling. Our guest is a former NWA National Heavyweight Champion, a former NWA North American Heavyweight Champion, and a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Please welcome to the HPWP, the Tokyo Monster Kahagas. How you doing today? Welcome, man. Hey, guys. How you doing, Scott? Rick? Good to be having you, man. Thanks for having good me. To, good to have you. I hope I didn't butcher that last name. <laughs> yeah, you did. Everybody does, bro. It's 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 a common, typical thing. It's <laughs> I've been called every fucking thing but the right thing. You know what I mean? All right. But so it, it, can I ask you to say the right thing? <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> Cahagas. Cahagas. I, you know what? I, Cahagas, I, said, yeah. I said that over and over and over again to, to my wife. I said, it's Cahagas. It's Cahagas. It's Cahagas. And then I get the Nazi yeah. and then I messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? The ring, All the ring announcers do the same fucking thing. So, I'm, you right. know, it ain't no thing, bro. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> He's just used to it. It's like nobody's going to get that right. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I mean, you know, my, my thing is, is I just like to get in the ring. I listen to the ring announcers and they fuck it up and I could tell them, you know, I could tell them exactly how to say it. Just like you said, and, and they repeat themselves and they go out there and they say it. And the best thing is I just remind them right there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. So um, yeah, that's talk, all to us, talk to us about your childhood watching wrestling and growing up and how was that experience? Man, I think, you know, anybody in in this business involved with this business or just a fan of this business, they all got their own little story of how they got into wrestling, you know, and a lot of it's the same to an extent, you know, as far as in your childhood, you flip on that TV and, you know, there you go, bro. You're, you're stuck like Chuck. I was probably, man, I, I was at least five, six years old and uh, I remember the match. Uh, exactly what I turned on. It was Dusty Rhodes and Harley Race for the World Heavyweight title. And all I remember is just Harley on his knees and just blood and all this shit, you know. And and then it seemed like a couple weeks later I ran into it again. But that was just my main, you know, after that for years, I don't recall really, you know, of course, those are just uh, those moments that you remember. And, uh, you know, just growing up, I you know, I thoroughly watched it and uh, back with the Georgia Championship Wrestling and, you know, you'd catch world class all the time and USWA. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't even know WWF even existed until the night that the Sheik and uh, Hogan wrestled. Dude, that was the first time I ever watched that. So most of my childhood was Florida Championship Wrestling, Championship Wrestling from Florida and, 
you know, your Texas wrestling and, you know, Georgia and a lot of that stuff. So, you know, it's, a, you know, one of them deals. Okay. Do you have any heroes growing up in wrestling? Man, you know, I've been asked that a bunch of times and it's just like, I couldn't, I couldn't just, you know, I could never give a straight answer to that. So, I mean, it, to me, I just, I think they're all great, man. They're all the reason why I'm in this business, you know? So, you know, they're the, all of them are the ones that caught my eye, you know, and, and, and just wrestling in general, man. So I don't think I really had the favors, you know, I mean, there are the ones that you recall the most and, you know, like your Kevin Sullivan's and, and uh, uh, Barry Windows back day as a baby, as a baby face, you know, there's the ones that stuck out and stuff that, you know, you, more memorable, of course. But, uh, you know, to me, it was, I couldn't say anybody, bro, just to yeah, all of them. <laughs> okay. All right. Here you go. <laughs> well, man, so you have had many championships, you've held many titles. I got to ask you, which one's your number one favorite title and why? Well, I mean, that's kind of simple, you know, I mean, the NWA world's heavyweight title to me is the most prestigious title, of course, that I've ever had and, and one of the most prestigious titles in the industry. And, uh, you know, I'd be a fool to say it wasn't, you know, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't gone beyond or above that. So, you know, and to me, that's the, you know, what they call it, the king of the mountain, you know, you're the man. And, and I was just, lucky and fortunate that i was able to uh you know fit that spot you know fill that spot for a short time so when you decided to become a professional wrestler um obviously you had to go to training school and trainer so where did you go um for training and who was your trainer uh well my story is a lot different than most man and uh it's one of them stories, like when I first got into the business, I, you know, I'm from a little town, like I mentioned to you guys earlier, you know, where no one else is from. And, and uh, you know, I recall, you know, championship wrestling from Florida, Florida championship wrestling coming through here. And it's always a big fan. And, and uh, back during the WCW days, when they first, they started getting into the, the cruiserweights and a lot of that stuff, um, you know, it got more intriguing. And I think it, you know, probably gave a lot of other people you know, more uh, enticement to, to try to follow, you know, and become a wrestler because there was a lot of smaller guys in that era. And, and I never said I was a big guy. You know, I was never a small guy, but I wasn't a big guy. So I was kind of always honest with myself. And, you know, it was one of those things, like I would have classified myself as a junior heavyweight. And uh, so it just kind of, you know, I was getting a little older. And at one time when I was like 18, I tried to find get into the business and, you know, it was, it was hard to, hard to do. And, uh, you know, there was nothing like you could just find an ad in the paper or go online, you know, there was no such thing. And, uh, so years later I, I, uh, ran into, I decided I wanted to do it. It was one of those things. If you don't try it, you're going to wish one day you did. And, you know, sometimes I wish one day I didn't, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I ran into Tyree Pride, which uh, the Haitian cessation Tyree Pride, he, I heard he had lived in my area. 
And so I ran into him and I told him I was interested in, you know, wrestling. And, and of course we didn't have a ring or anything like that. So I did a little homework and found out the ex-sheriff was a, a pro wrestler. And actually he was Mike Graham's best friend and, you know, worked with Dusty and the whole nine yards. He was part of the, the old Florida part um, territory. And so I confided in him and he gave me a ring that was out on his property in the middle of an orange grove. And I went out there and I had a couple local retired independent wrestlers that I had met. And I went out to this orange grove and I, in the, in the bottom, the, the, the ring canvas was level with the sand because the rails were sunk into the dirt. Dang. Dang. And it, the, the ring ropes, I remember as soon as I stepped up on it, I just touched the, foot, the, the bottom rope and it just snapped, just fell off. And it was a, a white boxing canvas and it would run the slick ones so you know when i got in there it wasn't running the ropes and all this shit these guys started just beating my ass you know and uh you know they're older veterans and and tyree pride come out there and and uh you know they showed me how to bump they showed me how to do this and that and and but they didn't you know they 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 still didn't expose the business to me so much i would say and uh what i mean by that is you know, they, they clearly beat my ass and showed me, you know, some basics. And, you know, like I said, there was no ropes and stuff involved. So I just kept coming back. I, you know, I had no clue what I was doing. I kept coming back two, three days a week or whoever would come out there. And and uh, they just kept helping me and I saved money. I rebuilt the whole entire ring by myself. It was an old ring, ring from back in the Florida days. And all the piping, the whole entire thing was pipe. It wasn't square tubing or angle or nothing. The whole thing was pipe. So I rebuilt that whole thing. And at that time, I ran into another guy locally who wanted to train. So me and him went out there. And, and Tyree Pride and, and um, um, Tom Horn, which was the sheriff, and a couple guys by the name of Ed Westfield and Terry, Terry Hart, they did a lot of my training. And then along with Tyree Pride was, was my main guy. And then as things evolved a little bit, you know, I started doing shows, you know, my first independent show and I trained for about a year and a half. And then my first independent show I went to, I've never been to an independent show in my life. I never even knew it existed. So when I went there, it was, you know, it was pretty uh, shocking on how bad it was. You know? right. <laughs> and uh, so you know, that's where I got started. And after that, I proceeded and I, I got involved with Tyree Pride, you know, well, not Tyree Pride, but Hector Guerrero, which was great friends with Tyree Pride. Hector took me under his wing, was a big mentor to me. And then I was uh, turned on to uh, John Tenta and uh, Prince Iakea. And uh, Prince became a great friend of mine. And, and uh, he would come down to where I live and train with me twice a week for nothing, you know, and, and it was... The, the thing about it is, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I never paid a dime to train, ever. Huh? Wow. And, you know, the th I when I went in there and I got into the business and started working, you know, we were a little bit shy on, me and the other guy were a little bit shy on, like, saying where we were trained. You know, because these guys go into wrestling schools, these guys got that. We're training in an orange grove, you know what I mean? 
And so we started jumping into other training schools and stuff around Florida and just, just constantly we were, you know, going and driving, you know, three hours each way to, to go train two, three days a week and just to get out of where we are so we can go experience and work with other people and stuff. Okay. And, uh, so, you know, things just evolved from there and, you know, just, uh, start taking off and, you know, I just always tried to progress and improve everything I did. I never even had a gimmick, you know, I was just Cahagas and I ran around in a pair of yellow camouflage pants, you know, that was it. <laughs> so, so I started just got, like everybody else, you know? Yeah. So we got some fan or some fans in the chat box and one of them, um, it's pretty familiar with you. I know this guy personally. I've seen him in XIW Extreme Impact Wrestling. Damian Wayne says he's scared of <laughs> Damian Wayne. <laughs> and then he says, turn the bull on. So you, can you talk about what that means, what he's talking about? Well, the part of him saying that I'm scared of him. No, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but the bull, but the bull, yeah, definitely. You know, Damien, I got a lot of respect for Damien. And uh, um, we damn sure tore it up a bunch of times. And, uh, you know, it was one of the things with me and Damien is we got in the ring. And it was to me, and, and since the day one, it was almost, you know, the chemistry was just always so good with us, you know. And, uh, and we went out and we did what we wanted to do and get over, you know. And... The bull subject was we were <laughs> we were working in a I believe it was like a street fighter or something in the Carolinas, I think it was Raleigh or Charlotte, wherever AML was running at the time. And we were fighting in a bar and we went around and they had a mechanical bull. So we went through the bar and then over the, you know, over the river, through the woods and all that shit. And we got to the mechanical bull and we started fighting and I put him on it and I got on it. And then by that time, the whole building was just blowing up saying, turn no bull on, turn no bull on. It's on YouTube too. So, I mean, it, it, was, it was a cool, it was a cool moment, you know, I mean, and then it turn it on and then we fucking fly off. You know, in the big pop. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, check uh, that out. Yeah, please. I got a lot of memorable times with Damien. There ain't no doubt about that, man. Yeah, man. He's a phenomenal dude, and it's sad that he um, put up place. He uh, retired there this year, earlier this year. So, hey, I'll tell you what, he's man. got he's he's got more balls than me to do that. You know that, that that's that's not an easy thing to do, bro. You know, I mean, you know, once you get you've been around the business for a while, you know, and you start understanding why these other veterans, they're still doing it. They're still climbing the ring at 70, 60, 70 years old. You know, you know why it's the same reason we do every time. And sometimes you gotta, you know, step down for what you, you know, want to want to do. And sometimes it's the best things for you, but I don't know if Damien's retired, man. I mean, you know, there's, this is wrestling, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah, Damien, you're, if you're, if you're you know, watching this, Damon, you know, you know. All the shit he's talking, you know, I mean, I can just run it right back. I mean, what's he going to do? Is he going to answer answer my calling and get in the ring? Oh, or something? I mean, uh, fuck, Dave, you know, I mean, that's not that's not a hard thing to do, man. You know, Damien so. Wayne, you, you heard it right here, Damien Wayne. If you're still listening, I think on the Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast, 
Cahagas challenged Cahagas. you. Cahagas, sorry, challenged you to a, one more match. Do you have enough in you to lace them boots up one more time? You heard it right on the Food Pop Wrestling podcast. So, thank you for that, Rico. <laughs> it's gonna go down. Just wait. <laughs> We're so, seeing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> right yeah, now he's I, fucking cussing. Right now he's cussing. Actually, <laughs> his old lady's cussing him. He probably is. All right. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so man, out of out of everybody you've gotten to wrestle, like who is it that you never got to wrestle, but you really wish you did? Like, is there anybody who pops in your head? Yes, right off the bat, Cody. Cody? Cody Rhodes, yes. Mm-hmm. The reason is, is because, I mean, I was fortunate to work with his dad. Mm. I was able to tag with his dad. I was able to wrestle against his dad. I was able to tag with his brother, and I was able to tag with and, and wrestle against his brother. So, to me, you know, the icing on the cake is Cody. So, that would be probably off the top but other than that if i was to go on the fly i mean god damn man there's so many guys out there and you can ramble on about rick flair it's ricky steamboat blah 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 you know but right but to be real yeah probably cody you know because i feel like i've broke a lot of accolades and and you know my own personal being and and uh you know something like that would be something cool to me gotcha and i don't think there's many people in this business right now that's done that well, true Damian Wade form, it took him two minutes. At eight twenty-one, at eight twenty, he says, "I will always have one more for him." He knows us too damn well. So, let's make it happen, guys. That'd be awesome to see. Um, so, I'll have to keep in touch with you. I'll see if this happens. Uh, yeah. Hey, just yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody's got to book it. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to talk to Adrian Whisper at XIW Extreme Impact Wrestling. Make it happen. What do you think, Damien? Um, so I was listening. I read some stuff. Of how important is it to you to pay your dues and pay back to the business that you've... Um, 100 fucking percent, bro. 100 percent. You know, because... You know, that was one thing that was expressed to me in the beginning of this, but, you know, when I started. Pay your okay. dues. And it wasn't by listening to other indie guys or nothing like that. It was from where I started. You know, these are guys that did pay their dues. You know, these are the guys that didn't make it, but they paid their dues. They set up the rings. They did everything, you know. And pay your dues means so many different things, too. You know, do your job. You know, um, travel. Get, get there. Get back. You know, everybody's worried about a fucking payday. That's the most irking thing. It pisses me off more than anything is everybody's worried about a payday. Like they're entitled to gas money, you know, or whatever, you know, and in, in this industry, you know, this business, it's, it's about building and having a, a place to go. And it's a sacrifice. This whole business is a sacrifice. And with these guys, you know, I mean, put it this way. I remember I was three, three years in, and I got 30 bucks and I was like, fuck yeah, two more years, I'll be at 50. You know, and, and it's just, and, and the one way people got to look at this is, you know, everybody's got a budget when it comes to a promotion or a company. 
and I knew this, not just because I'm involved with one, but I know this because this is how I work with people. I understand what they got. You know, they have a budget. So if you're trying to break that budget, well, are you going to come back? Are you going to run again? Are they going to run again? So if you pay everybody what they want, well, me personally, I'd rather take 50 bucks every week instead of a hundred dollars a month, you know? So it's one of those things, you know, as far as that and, and, and paying your dues, it's like everybody thinks they know everything, you know, even they, they act like they know everything. Mm -hmm. They claim they know everything when they don't know shit, you know, and, and it's not something you just get. I mean, I, I, I got it. And I'll tell you what, I looked for it and I wanted it and wanted it wanted it for years and i traveled and i put myself around those people that did have it you know and i was told i'm gonna get it and you know eight years in the business i got it and i ain't turned around i've done nothing but just get better at it and uh it's a lost art form and there's clearly so many people out there veterans you know that's been on the circuit or in the their own territories for years that a lot of people's got respect for and this and that. And, and, and you talk to them and, and they're the biggest hypocrites, you know, but they, but they're out here preaching, but they're the ones that are doing everybody wrong or they don't understand even why this is going on. They're all just, everybody's worried about themselves. Yeah. You know, it ain't about me. And, you know, and, and to me at the end of the day, it ain't about the fans. You know, when everybody say for the fans, that's bullshit. You don't do it for the fans. You do it for yourself. I said, if you're thanking anybody, you should be thanking the promoters that put you on that platform and booked you and gave you the, you had faith in you to use you. That's who you thank because you would have never been in front of those fans if it wasn't for them, you know, but they rather go in there and fucking try to, you know, get paid, be big dogs, do what the fuck they want. When that's not the deal, you know, you can make somebody just as quick as and you can break them just as quick as you make them. And that's a proven fact on TV every fucking week. You know, it's not hard. So, you know, they don't they no one no one appreciates, you know, what they're getting. Everybody feels entitled. And that's where they're not paying their dues. They're not fucking you know, doing their jobs, they're not hustling, they're not, you know, driving, they're not doing this, they're not doing that. And it's just ridiculous. No one wants to set up a ring. No one wants to tear down a ring. No one wants to promote. No one wants to do anything, you know? And it's like, that's fine, you know? But that ain't the way we work where we're at, you know? It's one of those things, you know? It's just, it, it can be a frustrating business. And, and when I say that, I, I can have conversations like this every day with people and do nothing but just get pissed off. And I do it all the time. And it always ends at the same, it ends with the same solution. It's like, all we do is can get pissed off. Right. You know, there's, there's nothing we can do because I mean, and the reason why we're pissed off is because we love and believe in, in this business and the tradition and the history and, and the psychology and, you know, the, the whole fucking shamas of the, of the what made the business, right. but no one else does anymore. You know they say they do, but they don't. It's all about themselves. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I can really see. It. <laughs> yeah, 
It's fucked up, right? It's true. It is. That is messed up. I, I mean, mean, it's a very solid point there, man. I mean, I guess I, I've always heard stories of, I mean, Damian Wayne would tell it was telling the story, and, and those guys from XIW, how they all get to, they all get to the arena early, and they all pitch in, starting setting it up, and they all pitch, say late, set, taking it down, because that's what they do, and that's what's important to them. Because I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'm sure you guys have heard of Micro Wrestling Federation, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Okay. It's actually here next to me. Okay. Oh, up there in Tennessee? Yep. Okay. Well, Jack's a good friend of mine, the owner of it. And they when they come through my town or wherever I'm at, if they're around, I always go see them. They're friends of mine. They're going to be here like in a week or two. But if you ever go to one of their shows, I'm going to tell you what it's like. These guys pull up in a van, pull in a trailer, or a motorhome pull in a trailer, and all these all these guys get out, and there's maybe seven guys. They go out there, unload that ring, set up a complete production, the whole nine yards, sell tickets, be the ring announcer, be the commentators, and the talent out of seven guys, and have five matches. Wow. And then when they're done, that shit is gone and loaded up and out of there in an hour. And the next, and you know where they're going the next morning? They're driving a hundred miles north or five hundred miles north to the next show. That they, they stay busy. Uh, what what was it? He said like fifty some days a month. He has wow. two crews. They wow. wrestle four to five days a week. Dang. That is that's paying your dues. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's crazy. It's amazing you mentioned them because actually I was looking to see when they wrestle here next because I live in Sevierville. That's where they like to wrestle here, Sevierville or Pigeon Forge. Yeah, Pigeon Forge. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you go there, and I mean that you know that's their that's their home base, so you won't see that. But when they're on the road, it's unreal, man. I mean these guys. This is the hardest hardest working wrestling crew I've ever seen. Yeah, that just shows dedication right there, man. Yeah, really. bro, they're they're kicking it, man. I mean, you know, they're not, and they're the type they're not going home for months. You know, I, you know, a little show. One of the main guys there, I was talking to him, and he says he hadn't been home in three months. You know, he's got a new baby. You know, I mean, fuck, married, new baby, and all that, and he's on the road. You know, but that's the life that he chose, and that's the life he does. You know, and and but like a lot of people don't see that sacrifice that's involved. You know. Yeah, that's right. You listen to everyone's stories, and um, you know, like back when you had to hustle really hard, you know, sleeping in your car, taking a shower, and truck stops, stuff like that. Yeah. That don't yeah. happen anymore. It's kind of just like a, all right, here you go. <laughs> you come to this promotion, you're good. Yeah, it does, you know, and it's some of it's by choice. A lot of times, I'll go places, man, and and. <laughs> Bro, I I couldn't tell you how many times I've said shit. The night I won the world title, I slept on the floor at the airport. Mm. You know, so I mean, it's not an uncommon thing, but it is what it is, you know. But the travel, you know, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot on your body, man. You know, doing that stuff every night, then hopping in a car and driving six, eight, ten hours into the next town. Those little those little guys right there, man. I, they got more, you know, more respect than they ever know from me. Awesome. That's, that's paying awesome. you dues. That's so, awesome, man. That is awesome. That's mad respect for you. So, 
I was going to ask you, so you're talking about like uh, the NWA title. That was the most prestigious one you ever held. Did you sure. ever want to go to like a WWF or WCW, Impact or AEW? You know, I think my my goal was WCW. Just because that was what I grew up on, kind of, you know, a transformation from Georgia Championship Wrestling to World Championship Wrestling and all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, I think that was kind of my go-to. And then when it defunct, you know, it was one of those things I wasn't, you know, I mean, I wasn't a guy to, like, apply, you know. But when I got in the business, just like anybody else, I mean, that's your goal. You know, you have, you have a goal in this business and, and what it is, is anybody who gets into the business, they want one thing and it's to be a professional wrestling star, you know, superstar. It does. They're not doing it for the money. They're not doing it for this. They're not doing it for that. They're doing it to become that pro wrestling star. The money comes with it. You know, everybody wants to go to the WWE. Well, you know, I mean, in, in, in whatever other major companies are out there, because that's the goal. That's the only goals we have. You know, it's not like we got, you know, it's a, you know, the football where you got, you know, how many teams to choose from and how many guys got spots. Right. You know, it's not the same. So, yeah. you know, moving on up, I just, I was never a guy to really apply, like put an application in, I guess you should say. You know, I was the guy that always wanted just to be seen and walked on the field. Okay. And, um, you know, and it worked for me. I've done that. But, I mean, that's me, you know, not thinking right and, you know, not thinking I'm big-headed or, you know, something's going to happen like that. But that's just just me in general and my personality on how I approach things. And, uh, you know, that was probably a downfall for me because I didn't apply. And, um um, I did go to Impact and hung out at Impact, you know, for a while uh, in the back helping and stuff like that. And, and then, um, you know, but I, you know, it's one of those things everybody's chasing a dream, man. And, uh, you know, you're not everybody gets there. And in this business, majority won't ever even see the daylight of it. And, you know, so, you know, Gangrel once told me one time, he said, you know, it's not the dream. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, the journey is the jewel. You know, you're not going to get that dream, but you're going to get that jewel. And it's, and it's along that whole journey. Everything that you've developed, just like what I'm saying, is I would have never thought I would have been inducted to the Cauliflower Alley Club. I didn't have a goal to become NWA world champion. I didn't even know I was even going to work for him or even a thought. Those are things that just happened. You know, you can't control your dreams. Shit happens, right? So no one ever gets to the end of the dream majority of the time, right? No, hell no. <laughs> so it's just one of them deals, you know? So when he told me that, man, it really made me it honestly feel better, you know, more humbled about what I've done and what I've accomplished instead of what I didn't accomplish. Exactly. Gotcha. Love it, man. Thank you. So about... A few years ago, you faced yeah you were tag teaming with Michael Tarver, um, and you faced a team by Controversial Inc. Mm -hmm. um, those guys are the current XIW tag team champions. What was what were they like back then? I know they're a bunch of arrogant people team now. What's what was it like facing those guys? 
there, Carlos and uh, Salazar, you know, oh, it was great working with them. You know, I think they just kind of kind of got together in the recent, you know, year or two and started tagging. I'm not really sure, but I knew Carlos from Puerto Rico. And um, so, you know, and, and it was one of those things where we're building building Thunder Championship Wrestling and we needed some tag teams and a good heel one. And I had worked, been on a lot of shows with them and stuff in recent. And, and so we, we did something and man, they were great to work with. I mean, you know, everything was good. And, and uh, La Brava, you know, the girl, she's great. You know, I mean, yes, on the, you know, on the mic, she's fucking awesome, you know, and, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's a good team. And the thing is, is when I look at, a team like that controversial ink and that was i don't know how many years ago probably three four years ago yeah about three years ago yeah well you know they're still together yeah and to me that's you know that's a solid tag team you know those guys are committed to each other they know that you know if they're going to go do something they have to both hit the road together and do it and um you know to have each other's back like it's hard to find tag teams that are going to last that long you know, and actually like commit to each other right. and, um, and, and just run with it. But they, you know, from what I've seen, they've had a lot of success. They've been, you know, doing good going to Puerto Rico and they, they it looks like they stay real busy on the Florida circuit, oh. you know, but no, I love them guys, man. They're, they're good hand. And, and, you know, and for what they were when I worked them before, I've, I have no doubt they've even gotten better. I mean, yeah. they're amazing. You know, they're, yeah. They're, they're good super, dudes, man. Super great. So, well, if you look at comments there, I don't know if you saw that huge pot where Wiccan says your match versus D'Lo Brown was really good. Um, wow, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. That was that was like right when I started wearing the paint time ago, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Roll it that was my debut. That was my debut with Coastal Championship Wrestling, is what that was. Okay. That was my debut in I went out there and worked D-Lo. First time we met, first time we worked or whatever. And uh, I remember he I hit him with a kendo stick, right? And then he hit me back with a chair. Wow. And brother, them fucking plastic chairs, <laughs> they hurt real bad, bro. They hurt worse <laughs> than a steel kit chair, you know? I mean, they just sting, bro, like fire. <laughs> And he hit me, bro, and it was just like, oh, my fucking God. <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> you just take it, you know. And then uh, I think I've worked D-Lo like three or four times, you know. And there's another <laughs> another uh, <laughs> a memorable moment with D-Lo. We were working at the Hard Rock in uh, South Florida. And uh, this is when he was going, you know, to japan when he was over there with noah and all that stuff and he just flew in that day like i mean like like right before our match got to the building (laughs) and so we go out there and bro it wasn't (laughs) d-lo when i say that we went in there and bro he was hitting me like a, a fucking bag of lead bricks and I was like, what the fuck, bro? So <laughs> so after the match, I look, I'm like, bro, what the? He, he, you know what he tells me? 
He was, bro, I looked across the ring and I thought I was still in Japan. <laughs> Dang. Dang. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that's it. That's it right there. I mean, what, what do you what do you say, right? Uh, right, right. Yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Nice, nice, nice. Oh, wow. Man, yeah. um, there's a lot I could talk about. Uh, you mentioned the Cauliflower Alley and you winning the award from there. Um the first time I ever heard about Cauliflower Alley was from Herb Simmons in an interview a few months ago. And um, Herb's did you ever? Great. Did you run? Can you talk about your interaction with Herb Simmons? Man, I've had nothing but good, good you know interactions with Herb. Herb is a Herb is the real deal, man. You know, I mean, and he's got the credibility and the background and the history to back it all up too. You know. Yeah. Um, he's been what, promoting for over 40 years, in the, yeah. you know, in the Midwest. And uh, I got introduced to him by a buddy of mine by the name of TNT Kenny G. He's uh, um, he's the father. He was a wrestler. He's the father of Santana Garrett. Okay. And um, so he moved out to the Midwest and he ran a little promotion out there I'd go to. And, and eventually uh, me and her met. And, you know, from then on out, I was just kind of going up there. I went went up there quite a bit for Herb and worked with him. And got to do a lot of really good stuff with a lot of really good people. And, uh, you know, and he runs a, he's a, runs a real solid show. And, you know, at that time, Larry Mastic was there and, and uh, Larry Matisic. And, and uh, you know, so I got to spend time with him and, and uh, you know, just see how he operates. But, you know, Herb Simmons is he's first class, man. There ain't nobody can say nothing bad about Herb Simmons. No, I do. Uh, just like I'm doing with your promotion in Florida, I, him and I we exchange. Um, he gets, he sends talent our way, and he's a great guy. Um, and nothing bad to say about him. Right? No, no, not at all. He's done so, he's done a lot for me, man. So yeah, you know, I owe a lot of those people, man. And I'm, I'll be the first one to put them over because. You know, just like I go back and I say, if it wasn't for people like him, I wouldn't have had those opportunities. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Thank you, man. Rico? So is there anybody that you kind of, like, I would say, I guess your favorite wrestler right now, where you're just like, man, I got to watch this per- this guy wrestle or, or this lady wrestle. Is there anybody you just, you, you really have to watch wrestle? You like them so much. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't even really I don't watch wrestling bro I, I don't watch it um, I watched like I watched I watched that show the, the wrestlers with OBW on Netflix bro that was awesome mm-hmm. you know and but I don't I don't watch wrestling I, I don't uh, you know I've started watching a little bit of WWE in the last couple months maybe once or twice but I just don't, man. I don't know. I mean, it, you know, AEW, I'm just, you know, it's just not a fan. You know, it's just, I don't know. I'm just not into watching this stuff so much anymore. I mean, I'll watch clips of wrestling, you know, independent matches that guys just pop up on social media at times, you know, just, just to watch different shit and, you know, and old school stuff. But yeah, I don't, you know, I don't really watch it, man. So I, I couldn't even tell you. Who's on top? <laughs> there you go. Just, just don't care for it. Like, eh. Well, I mean, I mean I can... 
it's it's just not my cup of tea. <laughs> you know, I mean, like WWE, of course, if any of them, I'm going to watch that more so just because they, you know, tend to make it make more sense to me. You know, like, like if you can tune in, tune in and by the end of that match, kind of understand what's going on, like in a storyline or something that to me, that means something. You know, but if you can watch the thing and still not have a fucking clue, well, yeah, I don't know. But, you know, there's a lot of that stuff that goes on. And it's not just on TV. It's on the indies every day. So it's wrestling now. There's nothing's a surprise. And, you know, it just is what it is. Outnumbered. Uh, that's what I remember. <laughs> a huge pop. We were talking about it not so long ago where it's, you know, because I sit there recorded to watch it. A lot of times I catch myself just fast forwarding through stuff. It's like, you know, like, uh, yeah. okay, yeah. Now, do you think that storylines... Go ahead. Do you think... Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Your, your turn. <laughs> no, I mean, what I was going to say, there's it's just like, it's hard to get that element of surprise in, in, in everything nowadays because everything's being done, you know? Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to out show everybody, you know, and it's that's not it. That's not the way it works. So do you think anyway, storylines are saying story you think do you think storylines have suffered now compared to what they were back when you started? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, I think gimmicks and storylines is uh, you know, to me that's a huge part of wrestling. I mean Think about it, you know, back in the day, you had your your Kevin Sullivan's that were the devils, and then you had, you got, you know, uh, the Ultimate Warrior, you got Brutus Beefcake, Hulk Hogan, you know, uh, Dusty Rhodes, you know, everybody was their own, had their own individuality. You know, no one has that now so much. Individuality is what you remember. You don't remember a bunch of guys doing, doing this shit, you know, bouncing around. And um, that's what makes you stick out. And, um, you know, I'm a big part of that. I, I, I influence that because I feel that's a big part of my gimmick is, you know, is individuality. I'm my own person and I stick out. You're going to remember me if I come back two years later, you know, right. and walk through the curtain. But, you know, storylines and all that. Yeah, because wrestling, the psychology evolved in it, you know, you there's a reason why you do a steel cage. There's a reason why you do a bull bull rope match before the steel cage. There's, you know, there's reasons for lumberjack matches, you know, before the steel cage, you know, but those, and those are simple parts of psychology just in matches, you know, but far as in the ring, you know, you got to get that story over of what you're trying to detail. You know, if, if you want, you want at the end of the day, you want to, you want everybody to know that this guy here wants to kill this guy. Well, at the end of the night, that has to be the highlight if you're going to for- move forward, you know. So, I don't know. People, you know, didn't you follow the storylines when you were a kid? I did, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, there you go. You know, you answer it yourself. It's important. What would it have been like if you were just watching it and they were just doing stuff? The same thing I feel like it is now. That's why, I don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's why I don't watch it now. I mean, there's, There you go. There's one storyline. It's the bloodline, and it's, you know it's a good storyline, but eh. So um, Tiffany Ann says, "Ask him, ask him how many promos he's cut in his career." 
<laughs> two. <laughs> two. Two. I mean, you know, it's you know, I don't cut promos. I, you know, when I'm in gimmick, it's you know, I try to. I've always tried to keep the mystique. That's why my picture's not up on the screen. You yeah. know, and uh, if you were to have my picture up on the screen video, I wouldn't be on here talking to you right now. Just because, you know, I've always tried to keep that mystique of, of my character. Because, you know, another thing with paying your dues was the other part of, you know, kayfabe. You know, when I got in the business. And, you know, these guys believed in kayfabe. Tyree Pride's wife never knew anything about the business. He never smartened her up, ever. You know, his son either, until his son was, oh, gosh, 16, 18 years old. You know, yeah. but so I was kind of in that era there. And, you know, and I'm a tradition guy, and I believe, you know, and stuff like that. And, and I believe the mystique of wrestling because that's what, kept us all intrigued with it is the simple part is when you're watching it you're going oh my god is that real or is it you know what mm -hmm. i mean that's that's the mystique that's involved with that so it's like now it's so open and given away it's like to be honest with you the reason why i talk on a podcast is simply because anybody listening they should already know you know but when I'm when I'm working, bro, it's it's business. I do my thing. I won't talk to you. I you know I just won't. You know, and uh, and I don't go around the fans. You know, I just, I just try to keep. You know, like I said, I still believe in kayfabe and in the mystique of the business and my gimmick. You know, and and uh, if I was out just walking around talking English or cutting a promo, dude, that'd really fuck my gimmick up. You know, what I mean, I don't sound nothing like the way I look. <laughs> there you go you know so oh, you know man. it's just one of them deals bro but the two promos i did i did a promo when i when i was inducted into the cac and then uh and then i did one recently in new england when i inducted uh my buddy uh trooper gilmore into the new england hall of fame recently but yeah it's just you know <laughs> it's what it is there you go. There you go. That, that reminds me of like a Mark Calloway, the Undertaker. You know, he said that's why he never broke character. You always, you always, you want to keep that mystiqueness of of the character. Never talk yeah. or anything. Just always stayed. Pretty much, man. I mean, that's just you know, and I believe my gimmick was is one of those gimmicks that that's what I've always needed to do. You know, and that's just the way I've always been. Even, even when I first started, I didn't talk to fans. I was never the guy that would go to the, you know, go eat afterwards with all the guys where all the marks and the fans and stuff are, uh, you know, I was never that guy because I don't like to associate with them. Not that I don't like them, but you know, I'm not, I don't take free pictures, bro. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rico, you got anything? Yeah, I was because uh, we were talking about your past and stuff, and you know how you got started. So, do you remember actually remember your first ever match in front of an audience and how you did? Oh yeah, that's an unforgettable one, bro. That was uh, that was the night when I was talking about I walked into a building and I couldn't believe that was wrestling, and uh, that was in the Leesburg Civic Center. And no Leesburg Armory here in Florida, and there was easily 500 people there or more. 
in some of the worst wrestling I've ever seen in my entire life to this day. To this day, bro. That's bad. I've seen a lot of wrestling since. And this was bad. So this was bad. That is yeah. bad. Right? That is really this bad. This place was packed, bro. It was packed. So we went up there, had no clue what we were doing. A couple of the guys brought us there. And uh, we were supposed to go on first, and then uh, we ended up going on like semi or like right before intermission or after intermission or something. And we went out there and we did our thing. And what makes it so memorable is not only the fact that it was a full house and a building like that, and the wrestling was so bad, but I he shot me into the corner and I, I springboard up and I came off with a cross body off the corner. And we went straight through the middle of the ring to the floor. Wow. It it wasn't like, you know, like we went through the ring, bro. You know, I still haven't seen a ring like that do that. And, uh, but the ring was a piece of shit, too. I mean, brutal, (laughs) you know. But, uh, yeah, we went through the middle of the ring and had to take it home. And, and, uh, that was my first match. That is awesome, though. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's kind of cool because that's that shit's, you know, that's just one of those things that don't happen, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So you're a you're a booker, and um, so my question is, how important are promoters and bookers to the to the wrestling business? How important are they? Yeah. Oh, to to me, they're the most important. You know, I mean, when I say that, it's they're 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 running the ship, bro. You know, they're they're the ones running the ship. They're the ones driving the boat. You know, the right, captain right. stand standing there, just you know, he's supplying the boat. You're driving the boat. Right, but right. you know, like what well, we got, I got I got two other guys that are involved with me. They're the owners, and I've known these guys since I started wrestling. One of them, the other one, I helped train years ago, and. They live, you know, uh, about an hour or so away, and they approached me and asked me if uh, we wanted to do something. And and so, you know, we made, I told them, I said, well, the deal is, is we all got our own jobs. You know, we can all talk, we can agree, we can disagree, but whatever we do, we want to do what's best for the business, you know, what's best for the company. And um, so, you know, I do my thing and, you know, I, I, this is my, you know, first time being a booker for a company. I've, 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 I've promoted plenty, tons of shows for just about as long as I've been wrestling. And, but far to actually like take over a booking position and run the ship and stuff like that. You know, I, I did it because I knew I could. And, and, uh, you know, and I feel that I've, I've sat under a lot of learning trees to, to get me there. And, uh, and, and we don't try to be better than nobody else. We don't try to, you know, all we do is we just try to make that show the best wrestling show we can possibly do. And so those people can come back next time and we can do it again. That's, that's our whole goal of any of it. We don't care if McDonald's is across the street from Burger King. We don't give a shit. We're doing our thing, you know, and, and to have a, a good locker room and, and to have, you know, a good running show, well, you got to have a general. You know, there's there ain't no generals out there, man. There ain't nobody, you know, everybody's soft, bro. Everybody's about 
being nice to everybody. I mean, I get it, but bro, it's, it's business. I'll fire my grandma, bro. You know, it is what it is. And, and, and everybody's about being booking your friends and, you know, being, you know, I, I've literally sat there and listened to, listen to bookers sit there and watch a match and say oh god that's fucking horrible just shit all over it and then turn around and walk watch and walk through the curtain and say that was good guys that was good guy i was thinking what the fuck just happened here right you know but right. it's, but it's, it's, it's 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 it is you know it's important man you know and we run a tight ship where we're at and the thing is is we don't do it we and these guys get experience too of working under certain, you know, under certain um, circumstances, you know, everybody, they don't have free reign and free whatever, you know, I mean, we don't give them that. It's like, you do this, you do that, and we're all going to be happy and we're going to do it again. Right. You know, and a lot of guys, they, they want to get their shit in. They want to, you know, they're, they, they don't want to lose or any of that stuff. Well, bro, to me, <laughs> that was one of the most important things of business is putting people over. And that's how I got to what I did. You know, I was traveling way before the NWA. I was traveling all over just as much, but I was going everywhere and I was putting people over, you know, and that's how you get booked. You know, you put people over and, uh, you know, everybody, like I said, there you go. They're worried about themselves. Right. It ain't like that. Yeah. And me, I got into a business, you know, I get it. You do what you, what's best for the business. You right. know, I'm, I'm a former business owner, so I, I've got a clue, you know. And, uh, but definitely bookers are to me, the most important part of the important part of the locker room, man, or important part of the, you know, the show. And, uh, if you ain't got a good booker and, you know, I like, and one guy I put over more than anybody, his name was Dave, Dave Johnson, the Blackheart. He was one of the Blackhearts uh, back in the day. And, uh, he was a great friend of mine, him along with Hack Myers and there we traveled, every weekend on these Florida roads together everywhere all the time. And those guys right there. And Dave was a booker for CCW. And I watched Dave take that company and, and, and take it and build it to, there was a five, a four to 500, four or 500 people house every show. And I seen how he did it. And I watched him do it. He was one of my best friends, you know, and, and like I said, sitting under other learning trees, some of them, a lot of people frown on, which is fine with me, you know, but I ain't got a problem with them and they're passing me knowledge, you know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, yeah. some people, you know, some people, you know, there are just, just, uh, legends and stars that anybody wish they could, you know, be able to learn from them. And I've been fortunate to, to be able to do a lot of that stuff. Now, do I say, do I know everything? Fuck no, I don't know nothing, man, compared to, you know, these other guys, I'm just doing like everybody else in this business, bro. Every time I go to a show, rather it's in the ring, out of the ring, I learn something, you know, learn something new. It might be something that I need to do. And most of it's shit you learn not to do. Right, <laughs> you know? right. So, that's good. That's good, you man. Be, you, and like I said, to be a booker, you got to be able to tell those guys they suck or they went too long or what the fuck, you know? I mean, it's just the way it is. You know, if you pour the concrete on the wrong side of the street, you're going to be nice about it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you're going to exactly. be tearing that shit up. You're going to be tearing that yeah, shit up and redoing it. Exactly. You're fucking me up, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're losing your yeah. job, bitch, you know? Yeah, yep. there you go. There you go. You're done, son. Rico? Yeah.
Well, you you mentioned that, you know, we all know you've been doing this for a while, man. Do you see yourself anytime soon hanging up those wrestling boots? Man, you know, I've said that. I've thought about that for probably the last five, ten years. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just got a new pair of boots actually like two months ago. So now I'm really, you know, I don't know. <laughs> got to break them in. <laughs> I, yeah, it ain't even broke in yet, you know. But it's, you know, I wish, you know, I mean, I stay pretty pretty busy. I mean, not as busy as I'd like. I'm always open to more bookings and whatever, you know. And But uh, it's just, you know, and, and one thing is too, bro, this is all I do. This is all I've done for the past almost 15 years is wrestle no shoot job or anything. This is just what I do. And, you know, and I've, I guess I've just got kind of accustomed to that lifestyle of hustling and, you know, living to wrestle fucking all these years and, you know, and it's, but it's something you love, you know, I mean, people don't recognize the point that, you know, that, that you actually have a job that you can go to and look forward to do and you fucking love doing it, you know, and you can't get enough of it. Very many people can go out there on their daily job and say that, you know, when a lot of people look at it as it's not work, well, why, why isn't it work? It's just a different kind of work, you know, but, you know, it, but you have to depend on bookings too. And, you know, you can't always depend on that shit. So, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, there's always thoughts and stuff like that that pop in my head, but I don't know. I couldn't tell yeah. you when or if or what. I don't know. I might I'll just leave them on. Fuck, I don't know. Yeah, I already, um, yeah, I got a couple matches in them. Um, uh, you named a bunch of people. You know, Kevin Sullivan, Gangrel, um, Damian Wayne. Uh, we had Charlie Haas. I know you had a fat match with him. He was on a couple days ago. Yeah, and he's, a, he's 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 phenomenal, bro. He let me tell you about Charlie Haas, bro. Okay. I worked Charlie Haas twice. I was lucky to work him t- on top twice in Texas in about about a good five, ten year or eight year span, you know, from the time I worked him before to the time I worked him again. And Charlie Haas is unbelievable. I mean, to me, he's phenomenal as a wrestler, man. He's one of the best. He's got it all. He He has it all. You know, he could do, I mean, he's just great. And, and getting in the ring just even just solidifies it with him. You know, it's just, he's just so, so good. I mean, he's probably, and I've said this before, he's probably one of the best wrestlers I've ever wrestled. Bad props, man. Bad props. Twice. So, <laughs> family and it's brotherhood. Would you say brotherhood would be a good uh, title to give what you guys do, the people that you you surround yourself with, brotherhood must be important for you. Uh, yeah, to me it is, man. You know, and uh, you know, but you got you got both of them actually. You got brotherhood, and then you got family. You know, but you love them all. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody's got their own little circle. You know, of different people and and all that and and i'm the guy that i didn't really care if your mama don't like you just don't fuck with me and we're cool you know i mean but <laughs> I, was, I, 
give everybody the benefit of the doubt, you know, but there's those ones that, you know, that just, that just, uh, you know, you relate to and, and some of them you get a lot closer to and, you know, and it's, and it's more or less like family. And, and then, uh, right. but when you walk in a room, you know, sometimes you just see everybody, it's like that, that right there, you know, walking into these rooms sometimes it's just like the highlight of your, whole day you know what i'm saying it was just like just you're ha- so happy to see some of these guys you know when you go places and stuff you know like damien i he's if i got to see him tomorrow i'd be excited as hell believe it or not but <laughs> but you know but you having more. All that, it does mean a lot it means a lot but the thing is there's a lot of fucking snakes out there that ride coattails and, and kiss ass and only you only talk you know one of the things only talk to you or get a hold of you when they need something you know there are a lot of scumbags like that man and I, you know i don't i don't i don't like idiots i don't like dumb shit so i don't play that role yeah that that's very true <laughs> anywhere you go in life you gotta watch for those snakes man yeah yeah so well, huge pop wrestling podcast fans. It's nine oh four. We've been on with um, Tokyo Monster Kahagas, Kahagas, sorry, for uh, an hour. We've had some great conversation. He's brought up some great uh, psychological stuff, physiological stuff, a lot of stuff that um, we, uh, if we can go back and rewatch it, please do. Um, but I am, I'm so stoked about one thing that happened tonight. I think that um, it'd be cool. I'm going to press this. It's going to be Damian Wayne versus the Tokyo Monster. <laughs> I hope this happens. I really hope this happens. And if this does happen, you got to keep me posted. Um, yes. sir, that If it happens, I would love to have you and Damian on the, on the podcast like the week before that match. And so we can like do a real fight kind of field um, conversation for a little bit. I know Damon would love to do that. I'm sure you'd love to do that. Um, let's make. I hope it. I hope somebody out there. Hope our promoter out there makes this happen. That'd be awesome. Um, I appreciate your time, sir. Um, I hope I didn't butcher your name too much. Uh, I can. I. I will give you. I'm going to play a uh, an exit song. Please hang tight to on the screen. Don't go nowhere. And I'll talk to you in the lobby. Thank you again, Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast. We love you. Thank you guys. And we're out. All my dogs, make some noise up in this house. Who is in the house? Who is in the house? It's the gangster of destruction, so you know what's going down. And when the drive-by's coming, then you better hit the ground. Because when your body hits the canvas, then you have to knock out. Who is in the house? Who is in the house? It's the gangster of destruction, so you know what's going down. And when the drive-by's coming, then you better hit the ground. Cause when your body hits the canvas, then your head is knocked out. Fight with Adrian Whisper is like a fight with the devil. Because when he's dealing with you, you cannot get on this level. Fight with Adrian Whisper is like a fight with a king. It's like a fight with an army. They got the tanks and everything. He's leaving bruises and stitches, possibly leaving you crippled. Because when he sets up the table and sends you straight through the middle, takes a district free beat that ass with a light bulb. Leave a piece of glass embedded in the back of your skull Who is in the house? Who is in the house? It's the gangster of destruction so you know what's going down